So joining us on the How Did You podcast today is Gersh, the social media manager for the New York Subliners and The Flank. So Gersh, what did you want to be when you were younger? Um, to be honest, I didn't know. Uh, it was always just like one idea here, one idea there. Um, and that's kind of what the past year has been um, through the natural process of, I guess, just opportunities in life, um, getting myself on a path that I guess spoke to me. So yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see that you'd be managing the New York Subliners social media or even the flanks? Um, prior to the past year, no. Once I did get into esports, though, like I had a goal, right? And I was ready to work towards it. So at that point, just off of pure ambition, I did um, intend on being part of a team. Um, just like through believing in myself, like I did see that as a possibility, not in like a self-absorbed way, just more of like a ambition way. Um, but I mean, if you ask me about like how how I thought about this like a year before, a year and a half before, not like not even remotely in esports. So there is a question from Reddit that says, "How did you wind up running socials?" I've always been interested, but I have no in- no idea how to get in the, my foot in the door. Um, I think it's just pursuing the opportunity. Like the way esports is, is a lot of the opportunities in this industry are purely based off of experience and merit, less off of a uh, prior qualifications or degrees. Um, for me, it was just kind of having the intent on doing it or just the, the general idea from being friends with people that were in Solutions League. And um, I guess seeking out the opportunity. Like I, I started small, um, like besides my initial kind of rise in the community, when I decided I wanted to run socials, I was just looking for any and any opportunity. And as far as getting your foot in the door goes, I mean, sometimes small opportunities are will lead you to the next step. It's not, it's not always going to be like an instant jump from, hey, I'm running a, a small amateur team socials. Now I'm instantly going pro. No, um, it's all about working your way up. So I, I started working for like teams that, I mean, we're just small organizations, but just having that in itself is, was something that I could put on my record and um, use that as learning, but also experience that I could present to the next opportunity uh, eventually driving me there. So I guess the way the ball kind of bounced was starting off at um, two small orgs, so team or Guilty Esports and Team DGen, using that to work on uh, the socials for the podcast when that was um, running with Nameless, um, using that to uh, eventually run socials for Wester um, during last year's Challenger season, and then midway through around May, um, applying to subliners and getting that opportunity. So, yeah. <laughs> When you found out that subliners were offering you in the job, how did you feel? Oh, uh, scared, honestly. Um, I mean, it was it was a really odd feeling. It was something that I'd kind of worked my way towards for the course of I want to say over six months, um, and the opportunity was finally there. And it was just a matter of like, I want to take it, but something doesn't feel right. I don't feel confident, um, and I think that was just like fear and nervousness. I mean along with like the great people you meet in esports, a lot of uh, horror stories also come up through conversation and bad experiences. But I think I was very lucky with subliners. Um, I mean, I, I was at a point with Wester when like things in challenges weren't looking the best where I was just desperate for any and any, any CDL opportunity. Uh, but the fact that I landed at subliners where 
just the culture here and I mean the community here like even if I didn't work for them but I, I'd gone to another staff like I could say that in full confidence it's just I've I've got nothing but support and empowerment working here and I don't think I would have grown as a professional without this specific opportunity. Has there been an experience that's caught you off guard or has there been an experience that when you do think about your experience so far that's mm-hmm. the one that you choose? Um yeah probably uh I want to say champs this year um basically subliners this year we were kind of on the map um, during matches for our memes um especially our win memes when we did thankfully win uh we put some pretty killer content out there if i don't if i say so myself um but of course champs like it's a final tournament of the year you want to go out with kind of a classy touch but also with respect um and we were playing optic in our first match so i don't know if you recall the um the meme we posted um for optic the smoking that optic pack but we knew like well and good it was a it was a risk that we were taking it was a bit, bit of a lethal meme um the kind of the strategy at subliners but also just like the regard we take is we we try not to put out like those type of lethal quote-unquote lethal memes um if we're not like eliminating that team from the tournament because it could come back to bite us and lose this bracket um and yeah, so essentially uh, my manager at the time, Yang Sin, who now works for uh, Cloud9, she and I made a deal saying that I could drop that meme um, after we beat uh, Optic and Winner's Bracket. Um, so long as when I did, um, or when we when we did lose, or I, I gotta re- re-explain this, but <laughs> so basically we, we beat Optic and Winner's Bracket, right? And yes, there was the risk that we could match up against them in Loser's Bracket, but it, the way I saw that was if we lose to them, then um, we're going to be out of the tournament anyway. So my deal with her was that I'll take this risk now. So that, um, but for the trade-off is, um, sorry, I'm really bad at explaining this. <laughs> the trade-off is that when we do get out of the tournament, I will have a very solid, um, heart-wrenching, I mean, emotional video that like seals the deal for the tournament. So that way, even if Optic do beat us, it'll still be like classy, um well thought out video so yeah we dropped off the meme we had the risk the next day lost a phase and then eventually lost to rocker and i mean to me like i'm very passionate about the team so it was still just like that little not even shock just like uh talking with the team um dealing with the loss right and then i realized holy shit i promised yanks in like an emotional like cinematic video um for us leaving champs right so I'm there, by the way, editing all this on my phone because um, my laptop sucks. Uh, just within the course of 20 minutes, like moving my thumbs as fast as I can. And it's the most pressure I've, under been, I've ever been under, but also like, I think I work better under pressure. So the fact that, I don't know, I was able to complete the season like with a moment like that, but also with a, with a product um, that had like that level of quality was to me just a, it was, that to me was like a cleansing of the whole imposter syndrome. Um, whereas like prior to that, I doubted myself or like, do I really belong in this industry? Am I really up to par? And that to me was like, my team depended on me. Um, and when it came to it, like I put my best foot forward, had my mindset right and it, it was perfect. So, yeah. <laughs> You've spoken about how you kind of, got into subliners Mm -hmm. 
but then you became affiliated with the flank. How did that mm. come ahead? Um, it's a fun story. So I used to run socials for the podcast before I was um, working for Wester. So this is like um, started in August of 2020. Um, and Nameless used to run the podcast with his co-host Pac-Man, but, but the production assistant was uh, Ben Janusine back then. So um, Ben Ben had always like I guess had an eye on my career. Um, I don't know if you through your research like found the whole Vonderhaar elite stuff and me trolling on the podcast, but like Ben Ben kind of allowed a lot of that to happen because he was the one like dragging people into the calls and he he had a, like a special regard, which I mean I still like thank him to this day for. Um, and it got to the point where, I mean, I kind of worked my way up running uh, socials for amateur teams and then eventually like getting the subliners opportunity. Once I got the subliners opportunity um, in May of this year, um, and I was also like following Zuma's retirement and him um, starting up the flank, it was kind of the perfect storm. Um, like there was an opportunity for someone who was on the same team at the time, like Zuma was on subliners. Um, he wanted to grow his brand. And Ben had also known me, Ben was, actively running things to the flank so he dm me one day reached out and yeah it, it kind of just came full circle with him um yeah is there another experience of say the flank that sticks in your head if you had to choose one i feel like there is some significant moment that i'm missing but the most recent thing that really comes to mind is probably um zuma's transition to phase um i mean the flank for me is a very different opportunity because I mean, subliners, I work on a team. Even at Wester, I worked on a team. There were some projects like beforehand, like the podcast and other social media teams where while I was like still in full control, I didn't have that like experience and sense of um, a prof like running a professional account that I do now with the flank. Um, so for me, in terms of like, the flank's marketing, that was completely my responsibility to, uh, I mean, run uh, the whole transition to uh, to the brand and it's crazy because uh despite like i mean the the whole bait on the flank twitter like some people like it a lot of people love it i can say that for a fact um it's crazy because zoom's announcement was this month the um the whole baiting and stuff was last month the announcement was supposed to be last month and it's crazy because the flank twitter actually did more uh, impressions and engagements last month than it has this month um and it was like a record number um so i don't know but for me like that that numbers aside it was it was a personal project to kind of smoothly guide the transition in terms of like marketing the flank and um incorporating it to phase there was like a lot of um bases we needed to cover um that's another point where i had to like sit down edit the video the um welcome welcome home zoom video that i made it's still uh, pinned on the flank twitter um and at the end of the day like when everything was said and done I think that's like a specific project that I look back on and I guess kind of just feel proud about. Um, there were a lot of things that went right, a few things that slipped up here and there, but Flunk at the end of the day, I think has a really good team behind it. Um, and that's, that's something I like hold true to myself. Like when Zuma went to phase, um, we, we executed it like step-by-step step and methodically and uh, yeah, had a good, pretty, pretty good final product. So. Yeah. Let's focus on you and mm -hmm. let's talk about how you're only 19. Mm -hmm. That is a very, very young age uh, for, say, anybody within esports to have such a 
prominent role that you have. You mentioned imposter syndrome. Reddit wants to know, do you ever feel intimidated handling what you handle at your young age? That's a tough question. I think as far as subliners goes, um, there's a lot of comfort, but that's not because I'm uh, sitting back and taking things for granted, more so because, as I mentioned earlier, like the, the environment at Anbox um, is just like that. We're all very supportive. We all fill in where needed. Um, but there are moments like, I mean, clear example of it is um, last year, Matrix 5, when we beat LAG, uh, we put out the, the win graphic of the Harambe copy. And next thing you know, Twitter was like a shitstorm. No, no better way to put it. Um, I mean, of course, like we kept it up for valid reasons. Like at the end of the day, people like half people that were mad about it were just trolling. And that's a whole nother like can of worms. But that to me, like there, there, there is always that initial point of fear. Like, hey, people aren't taking this right. Um, what happens now? And I think that's kind of what the growth in esports is and getting the opportunity to work on like a professional team with other people, like having my managers to support me through that decision and be like, you know, we're keeping this up. Like it's, it's a good tweet. Um, I mean, it's, it's a lot of responsibility and that's always going to be something that I, I don't take for granted and take with a pinch of salt. Like I need to be careful with every move. Um, of course, especially on like subliners, I, I feel I'm, I'm a lot more careful there than flank because um, flank is a lot more easy and open and we're allowed to, you know, go rogue and roast Activision in a meme, whereas subliners, it's not like we are a multi-million dollar team in a multi-million dollar league. Um, and when I hit that tweet button, a lot of responsibilities carried through that little tap on my screen. So yeah, um, of course I don't focus on it because paranoia is not gonna get me anywhere, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's for sure part of the process. Like, I think it's just something that you have to keep in the back of your mind, but also in like incorporate into your, your daily habits. Cause you don't want to be in a position where you make a bad decision that completely escapes like the responsibility that's at your hands. What was life like when you were younger? Um, obviously you've mentioned to me personally that you only found esports during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Was there any other, well, other than esports, what, what hobbies did you like to do? What, what did you do before esports? Um, the whole pandemic thing is like my, my start of working in esports. I mean, I'd follow esports for a while. I've been following COD since, uh, Black Ops 3. Um, and following Call of Duty 2 was like kind of something that I took up on my own because I enjoyed the game a lot. Otherwise, growing up, a lot of my friends, um, only really followed like the CSGO communities. Um, that was huge esport at the time. Um, but I mean, I didn't even start playing Call of Duty until pretty late. I grew up with a, a Wii. So <laughs> just like Wii Sports and stuff. Um, eventually when I did get a PlayStation, like I, I was I was always a FIFA kid. So I played a lot of FIFA um, prior to Call of Duty. Um, still had the love for Call of Duty though. Like got, got a lot into it. Um, I used to play uh, just the campaigns through like, I mean, illegal downloads on my, on my mom's computer. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. Growing up, I mean, esports was something that I think just I ran into purely based off of like the the time that we live in like um how, if I were maybe four or five years older I don't think um I would have found it that easily but I mean especially living in California it's Silicon Valley where I mean everywhere you look it's technology like I can drive 20 minutes and run into the Microsoft office Amazon I mean such and such and such so 
Um, yeah, I think I I can't really tell you for sure like what life was like before esports because I think the the footsteps and like the path to being being immersed in like a, a world of technology was was always there. Obviously, before any of this came around, you were kind of running Vandahar Elite. Mm-hmm. How how did that come around, and is that what informs the VE at the end of your game attack? It is, yeah. It's just a little like. Um, I guess tribute to it because I can't uh, the at Gersh isn't available on Twitter but um, yeah I so I, I guess you'd say I found Call of Duty again because I'd followed it since Black Ops 3 um, been in the scene for a while and then kind of um, let go of it around like World War 2 Black Ops 4 um, halfway through um, so when I came back I was still a mod for Nameless like I was watching a lot of the streams tuning in um, and I realized like hey Nameless now runs a the podcast. So I used to call in like normally just by myself. I mean, it was pretty cool opportunities too, like getting to talk to pro players. Um, fun fact, the first episode I ever went on, I talked to Zuma. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of uh, another it's thing. It's history. Full circle. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I just got like really bored one day and I'm like, you know what? Like this episode is kind of slow. I forget who was on. Oh, uh, Methods was on. Um, I was like, you know what, let's just have a little fun with it. And of course, like with, with a bit of like an immature touch, but yeah, called in, made a, or I used my disc, my burner discord, um, put on a funny voice. And next thing you know, Nameless clips it, posts it, and it blows up. Um, and I mean, me with being stuck at home in a lockdown, <laughs> I have nothing better to do. I'm like, you know what, let's do it again. Um, and of course, like everything was in a, respectful and like mindful way i'm not like going rogue and saying explicit things and i mean filing tos i'm just like with with comedic intent I mean, that's like well thought out uh, messing with the pros so it continued on for i want to say like five or six episodes um each one again like becoming a hit on twitter uh at some point um hex was on and i mean through a really awkward manipulation of words i got him to say skump was washed so just stupid, stupid, stupid stuff like that. Um, and it got to the point where like it had hit the peak of its popularity and I kind of was faced with a decision where either I keep it going um, and eventually see the joke like die or into the ground or I end things here while it's high. And I mean, start a new chapter. Like I've gotten um, a lot of reception from it on Twitter, but do I really want to be this, I mean, for lack of a better word, troll, right? Um, so, I mean, I was a pretty outspoken <clears throat> uh, Empire fan with the whole like Shadow Illy stuff. Um, and what do you know, first episode after cha- after Empire win champs is uh, with Crim6. So I come on, I do the whole reveal. That's like a, that's probably my favorite episode, just like Crim's reaction to it. Cause he and I had like a, like fun banter back and forth on Twitter while I was still in the whole Vonder Harley. Um, persona um and yeah I, like everyone took it really well nameless knew me of course because i was an active mod for him um but that was also like the turning point it was kind of me deciding I, like i've gotten this reception but i want to turn this into something more i don't want to just be a shitter right <laughs> um so that's also where i put out like i started i used that twitter to first make memes a lot of which uh crim six um were they were based around him but like he he enjoyed them gave him gas 
use that to get my first uh, opportunities in social media and the rest is history. So, yeah. <laughs> Who are your personal top three or top five retired or still around Call of Duty players of all time? Um, Crim6 and Clayster for sure. I think um, first team I ever followed in Call of Duty was the phase Black Ops 3 team. Um, and even though he wasn't the best at the time, um, Clayster was always like the, I want to say the snazzy like leader guy. He, he wasn't scared to um, be out there. He has a lot of notorious clips from uh, Black Ops 3, like kind of questioning the game, uh, like the intended line of sight thing. Uh, <laughs> but just like through, through legacy um, as well, just following Clayster like, throughout his career, um, that's always been something that stuck out to me. Um, I have a lot of respect for the guy. Crim6 to me, like, I didn't enjoy him as much when he was on Optic, but that's also because Optic were like, I guess you could say the villains <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> the C- of the CWO, purely because like, it's either like you support them or you don't. Um, but he's always been one that has like a lot of personality. I think that's, that's what COD thrives off of, like our pros having personality instead of just being random kids that have just gamed for hours on end. Um, and he and I also have a pretty like fun overlap and sense of humor, which is why like working with him now is a kind of a blessing in disguise. Um, Italy for sure. Um, like apart from the whole fact that like our early careers intertwine, I mean, um, I initially gassed Italy because of the, the representation that, um, his presence in the league brings to me. Um, we're from the same, or, I mean, our families are from the same part of India. Um, and it's cool seeing that, but Besides that fact too, like he's a he's an insane hard worker. Him and Shotzi are for sure up there, like top two. Um, it's really cool to see like the output of that. But um, he's a good guy as well. So yeah, um, two more. I think Zoom was up there. Um, he was the first like superstar I really got to be acquainted with in the league on that BO3 team. He was always just top fragging on the on the leaderboard. Um, and honestly, probably Doug, censor. Uh, um, he's he's had questionable moments with his personality here and there. But my my biggest thing in I mean working in esports, but also being a fan of it, is content. Um, for me, like that's what I aspire to be like completely immersed in at the end of the day. But also, just like that's what got me into the scene. Um, for me, when I was transitioning from being a casual Call of Duty player to being immersed in the esport, it was. Either I pick uh, the ginger-haired optic guy who's uh, frying in, in lobbies and posting videos of him getting like 80 kills, or I pick uh, the FaZe guys. And uh, I mean, I've been watching FaZe earlier, earlier, so I saw Doug and I was like, you know what? This guy's cool. Um, so yeah, I think he's always put that that importance in content. That's what's carried him a lot um, throughout the years. and uh just out of respect but also just out of that initial regard for him he's got to be up there oh definitely like you say everybody likes different people for different reasons and it's mm-hmm. it's understandable why people kind of do see optic as the villains but also see clayster as the leader zoomer as the goat because let's be honest denial will champs everything mm-hmm. else everything else all about it just it cements his place completely agree with the top five reasonings for it even more so but you've been you've been with subliners and Anbox for seven months 
Mm. Where would you put yourself in another seven months? Mm. It's tough because esports, like the opportunities often vary. Um, I mean, right now I can't, I mean, I probably see myself as subliners, but if not subliners because of one reason or another, for sure still working with Call of Duty if possible. Um, that's always my, my biggest thing. Like it's not so much of a crutch as it, as it is like a benefit um, just purely because I love Call of Duty. Like a lot of the, the content on socials, for example, just comes naturally um it's just it's second nature basically so it makes my it's make, it makes my life a lot easier but also helps me be a lot more uh passionate one more thing i could probably incorporate is uh having that same drive for um the valorant side of things of course Sandbox, we have a team um but over the past like i mean i guess you're just, during the off season i've gotten uh really into valorant reminds me of my my early csgo days and just the the passion the community has right now um, it's really connected there. So uh, I'm ready to follow the scene this year um, when it starts back up, of course, after Champions. Um, so you'll, you'll see me interacting with the Anbox account here and there. Um, and possibly Halo. I know the flank recently has started putting a, an importance on it. It just depends um, how HCS does in terms of like viewership and if the, the attention span is still there. Um, in terms of like employment opportunities though, um, I'm really happy with where I am. I mean, for me, it would probably be just growth here, whether it means a transition to like a different opportunity within like Anbox or the flank. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy where I am, not, not in a complacent, um, ignorant way. Just, just kind of, if I haven't think about myself in six months, I mean, this is this is the other side of it. Like I still have school to do um, before I make the complete like jump into esports. I also want to get my bachelor's, so I have like a little backup plan um, before it comes to worst. Um, so until then, I'm still going to be like part time. And as far as things have come right now, I don't I don't see a a happier place to do it than subliners. So yeah. You mentioned your bachelor's. Um, mm-hmm. What what would your bachelor's be in if you were to get it as a backup? Uh, biology. Yeah, I'm nearly done with my associates in biology right now. Um, it's not the most fun, not the easiest, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a reliable option to have. Um, for me, like my, my family supports me going all into esports just so long as I have a, a solidified plan if things do like end up falling apart. I mean, esports is always going to be something where you don't have to have a degree. You, it's just experience, but um things are often unstable like we're looking at it right now cdl is having its ups and downs halo had its ups and downs and nothing in life is guaranteed but if you do have the solid option i mean it kind of eliminates possibilities of uh tougher times so yeah what is your personal favorite um whether it be subliners or flank I'm assuming it'll be the flank because of the aspects that you've mentioned previously. What is your favorite meme that you've posted? Um, subliners, actually. Uh, flank, flank is what it is, but at the end of the day, like if something pops up on the flank, it's usually just me like laughing at myself. Where at the subliners, like because of the team that contributes towards winning that game, um, helping make the meme, helping post it, like it's it's a it's success that I get to celebrate with. 30 people as opposed to just myself. Uh, but 
Um, it's fun because my first and last wind memes last season were both optic related. Um, and I mean, no, no, like hate to optic, especially now that they've merged with Empire. But um, of course, it's always going to get the most juice on socials. So I think between the first one, which is like optic uh, looking for excuses, and probably the last one, which it's, it's probably the last one, the smoking that optic back. Um, less because of the content, I think we've made like pretty well edited videos. That was just a picture, but the the significance of it to me. I mean, I was at a cod land for the first time, got to post it at Champs, got to walk back through the hallway with all the teams, feeling like I was on top of the world just because I got to post a win against Optic after five months of losing. Um, I don't know. It's to me, it's just a personal like milestone there. It, it marks like a lot for me um just the happy aspects of having that moment to celebrate in esports and i know it sounds weird like when you when you line it up against like submarine's content i mean the question was like what what my favorite is but even even if it's not the best that one means a lot to me um just i got to post it in a moment where i was surrounded by people that i care about and i care about me and i was at a cod lane when i did it so yeah <laughs> You speak about the amount of different kind of memes that you posted. Where does the amount of creativity come from? Um, my brain at 3 a.m. <laughs> I mean, I I suffer from a lot of uh, random thoughts fleeting in my mind uh, throughout the day. And I don't know, my brain has a weird thing where like at the end of the day, whether I've come back from work or at school, when I lie down on my bed, if, if I get an idea that pops in my head, like my brain doesn't let me sleep until I've, I've completed it. And that's purely because like it, my gears start turning. And I mean, as I'm, as I'm trying to like drift away to sleep, like I'll start thinking of like new ideas I can incorporate and other things I can add. So I don't know. I mean, for me, I take advantage of that spark of creativity rather than sleeping on it and having to start from scratch in the morning. Um, like the Zuma video, the like, welcome back to phase that was all edited at like 4 a.m. Um, in my bedroom with me lying down on my phone so <laughs> um, yeah I think the the straight answer though is probably just like the fact that I'm so engaged with like media and YouTube I mean comedy memes and everything like it, it floats around us TikTok as well like that's where a lot of trends come from nowadays and um, at the end of the day like we're we're in a world where because everyone's connected through social media like that's where a lot of content is born um, and the more I engage with that, whether it's because of personal life or my job, um, the, the ideas come naturally. So, yeah. You speak about a, a lot of uh, apps that you may watch or anything like that. Is there certain YouTube channels you personally follow outside of the Call of Duty community? Yeah. Um, earliest that come to mind are probably the Sidemen. Like, those are guys that I've, I've watched before they were the Sidemen. Um, especially Vic, like watching a lot of Minecraft YouTubers when I was younger, like it was it was cool to watch Vic. If you're watching a KSI video, I'd be like, wait, it's not the same guy. Um, <laughs> Vic, Vic was in the background of a lot of them, but um, I'm trying to think what else. Like a lot of the early YouTubers I used to watch, because I've been on YouTube for quite a while, like since 2011. Um, a lot of the early YouTubers I, I used to watch, like have kind of dropped off since then or stopped making content. Um, outside of COD though, like in terms of gaming, I 
I mean, I'm not really sure. Like, I think as far as gaming goes, I'm usually attracted to like COD related stuff. And when it's not COD related, like it's it's good to have that separation of enjoyment, like finding what's considered funny when it's not like in that specific context. Um, the cold ones, I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, Max and Chad, yeah. They have a podcast that I like a lot. Um, TMG, like Cody Co and Noel. It's another podcast I enjoy. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it is is not is a uh, non gaming related, but it's it's to find that balance. What four players would you put in old up to Chicago spot? Mm, I want to preface this by saying like. This is coming from a point of no bias at all. I mean, I know I worked in Challengers for a bit and I got to know a lot of guys, but I think Paul X, first of all, um, to me, he got kind of, well, I don't want to throw up shape, but I do think his situation is unfortunate, like unfortunate with um, everything that happened, like just going off of stuff that's already out there in public, I mean, we learned on the flank that um, London held him to a really significant buyout higher than Clayster uh, per Crim's works on, on the episode that he was on. Um, I mean, just to drop him in the offseason. <laughs> so seeing Paul's talent, I think I'd for sure put him um, on that team. Um, Diamond Con is another guy as well. I think he's really good. Um, this, is, this is ignoring like thinking about how chemistry would work and how, how that would all work out. Um, so I guess like maybe Paul likes Diamond Con and you need subs, right? Um, Nato's a really good option. I mean, there's, there's plenty of guys out there. I could, I mean, I could go the easy route and just say the, the team that won champs last year, but <laughs> um, Venom's a good guy as well. Like, I don't think Venom ever, ever got that fair chance. Um, when the Western team was dominating challengers last year, they were all like consistently saying in interviews that, Venom is the best one out of all of us. And when Venom did get his chance in the league, of course, it was a big opportunity with Thieves, but things just didn't work out in terms of, like, the way the team dynamic was and how the, the roster moves were made, um, with, with all due respect, of course. So, I mean, Pollux and Venom, that's easy chemistry right there. I'd say Nato, and then maybe you give him um, someone to compliment him on the second AR, or you just throw in Diamond Con, who's had that pro experience. I mean... Not to go off on another tangent, but that's another thing. Like, not not speaking for the org or anything, but when I, when last year um, Diamond Kong got subbed in for Major Five, and then Clayster came back for Champs. Like, anyone, a lot of people had the perspective that oh, Diamond Kong got screwed over, but no, like Diamond Kong, instead of playing a, a Challengers Cup, he got the opportunity to play like people that have already made it in the league, um, have on his record that he has beat them and such and such games. I mean, it was what, like, Gorillas and Mutineers, and that to me speaks a lot more than winning a, a Challengers Cup against three dominant teams and other teams that have been put together in a day, right? So, um, he has he has a really significant level of talent, and I think he's going to go far for that as well. Um, last person I didn't mention is probably Parasite, but um, I think he'd do really well in a coaching role, like, um, or just an analyst if, if he wants to. Um, he was helping, uh, I'm pretty sure, Empire a lot during the Modern Warfare season. He was the first one to crack the code as far as um, squad spawns went. Um, the guy, like, overall, is just a genius at the game. Um, regardless of how people feel about, like, his 
gameplay, whether it's good or not, like he he knows the most about Call of Duty. So yeah. I will actually throw in one bonus little question. If you had to give people advice for getting into social media, getting into esports or getting into life as a, as a whole, what would it be? I guess just chase the opportunity. Like people, I mean, I get people that DM me asking like, how'd you get your foot in the door? And like, how did opportunities come to you? But opportunities don't come to you. Like you can't, you can't sit stationary and just expect like, oh, people are gonna, randomly happen across your Twitter profile and think, hey, this guy makes memes, let me hit him up. No, I mean, it's it's all about what you bring to the table, but to bring stuff to the table, you have to get to the table. Um, <laughs> like nothing, none of the opportunities I've had um, have been something that like I, that, that I waited for and came to me. Like it was, it was always actively chasing the next step. I mean, whether something's so simple as like, looking for the next podcast episode to troll on or looking for a small esports org that that needs a social media manager to looking at a nameless stream and asking him in chat like do you need someone to run podcast socials to using that at the end of last year when i decided like i want to take another step and dming all the western guys including their coach um saying hey like if you guys need someone to market your brand i'll do it and then Growing that, using that to hit up every single CDL team in existence, right? Um, yeah, it's 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 just always like it's it's the pursuit of the next thing. I guess the biggest advice I can give is just never stop like setting goals for yourself, but also like never stop believing in yourself because if you don't believe in yourself, then who will? Yeah. Fantastic advice, Gersh. I appreciate your time massively. Thank you ever so much. Appreciate you as well. Thank you for having me. I'm going to stop.